You're listening to a special podcast produced by UMFM 101.5 in partnership with the Winnipeg Folk Festival, running Thursday, July 7th through Sunday, July 10th at picturesque Birch Hill Park. Winnipeg Folk Festival is a celebration of people and music that has been one of North America's premier outdoor music festivals for over 40 years. I'm Michael Els, host of Thank God It's Free Range, and this episode spotlights Sudan Archives. Originally from Ohio, where she got into the beat scene, Sudan Archives moved to L.A. and became part of the Low End Theory Collective, a group of musicians and creators that have spawned the likes of the Gaslamp Killer. Over the course of two EPs and a full-length released on Stone's Throw, Sudan Archives has pushed at what the limits of her violin are while drawing on Sudanese fiddle history. She's set to release a new record later this year. Sudan Archives will be playing the main stage on Saturday, July 9th at 8.20 p.m. For the full lineup, a complete list of set times to purchase tickets and for more information on the Winnipeg Folk Festival, visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca. She announced her upcoming album, Natural Brown Prom Queen Sudan Archives, set to play the Winnipeg Folk Festival and joins us by phone. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, so a, an album announcement in, in, in these days, like, how, is, it, is it an exciting thing to kind of like put it out into the world that it's coming or like what's, what's the kind of work like around an album and, and promoting it like this? Um, I'm super excited because I feel like I've been waiting on it to come out for so long. Mm. And it's just been like a lot of like, like, I feel like this is like the most pre-planning for an album that I've ever done. Well, is that a product of having a bit more time with it too? Like, cause I know this is, this is, this is a COVID yeah. record, right? Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with that because I feel like, first of all, I had so much time to like, make music the way that I like to, which is like feeling like you just have till the end of time to make it. Mm. It's, it feels like you almost, it almost feels like, like there's just like no pressure at all. You know, is that like, cause if you, if there's no, you have all the time to make it, like, do you then kind of create your own restrictions or boundaries as to like deciding when you're done? Like, how do you kind of figure out, Oh, I, I, I could go forever on this, but maybe there's a point at which I need to cut myself off. I didn't really know if there was a point where I thought I needed to cut myself off, but I just kind of felt like, I don't know. I kind of felt like the world was ending. So mm. <laughs> like there's no, there's no cutoff. So maybe that idea made everything just so less stressful in a way. This is you're, you're like, you play the violin. So you're actually fiddling while Rome burns in the psychological sense. What'd you say? I said you play the violin so you were actually fiddling while Rome burns if you're thinking the world's ending. 
So I had read uh, a piece, an interview you did uh, prior to going to Sled Island that you, you got a lot of new pedals and effects over, over the last couple of years, and those maybe played a part in some of the new material that you've written? Yeah, I feel like I'm always buying pedals in the and I'm um, always using violin in a way that I've never used before. So I'm always, like, trying to find, like, new ways to use the violin, you know? Mm. And um, I'm always, like, buying new pedals and stuff because, like, you know, I don't really like to I always try to figure out a new way to introduce the violin in the track. Sometimes it's, like, barely noticeable to people, but I think it's cool to, to kind of, like, mask it and turn it into different sounds that I wouldn't get out of it normally, you know? Where does the impulse for that come from like is that just a like natural curiosity and and playfulness with your instrument or like are you like studying what other people have done with the instrument and trying to kind of incorporate the results of that study it must be natural curiosity because i felt like i i tried to look it up online like i tried to look up look up what i'm doing with violin and it's not that much out there of experimentation that is like easy, so easy to find. But um, yeah, I think I don't know why I just always I'm always just playing around with it, and I think it's like my love of technology. Like I don't I, I feel like the way that I learn technology is I just like press buttons and see what happens, you know. Trial and error style. Yeah. Yeah. Now I read that your your uncle gave you a violin. That's what initially set you on the path with this instrument? Yeah, he basically bought my first violin, so I didn't have to, like, make payments on it. And um, ever since then, I felt like since it was mine, I could do anything that I wanted with it. So I would always, like, put, like, pickups on it and, like, plug it into electronics and, like, kind of, like, maybe beat on it to get sounds that you wouldn't normally get. And I felt comfortable doing that because it was like my violin, you know. Right. Now, your dad had encouraged you and your sister to to go into pop music before that. Did the like sort of pop vibe of the family like influence your like initial kind of creation as a as a artist with a violin? Like, did you kind of come at the violin from a pop angle as a result of that? No, I think if anything, from that experience, I, it gave me like kind of like this like weird, like it kind of gave me this like uh, discipline and like this um, just kind of like I don't know. I just remember him always like kind of wanting us to record ourselves in front of cameras and stuff. I feel like it really made me comfortable in front of the camera. Oh, okay, so kind of a stage presence or, or performative aspect of things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as as I understand, when you relocated to L.A., you got in with the, the low-end theory crowd. And I'm wondering if you can kind of talk about what, what influence that had on, on you as, a, as an artist or as, you know, someone who was exploring music the way you do. Um, that had a big influence on me because um, when I was in Ohio, everyone wanted to go to L.A. to go to that show specifically like that. Because um, there was like a beat scene in Ohio too and 
but they were all inspired by what like people were doing that everyone was doing in LA, you know? So, um, basically that had a huge influence on me because I wouldn't be doing like the whole, what do you call it? I don't think I would be like doing, making music in such a DIY perspective and like kind of like a producer perspective because when I went there, I realized that the possibilities of what you could just do by yourself. So the beat scene in Ohio, like, were you guys just all listening to the L.A. scene and, and then trying to kind of create your own thing there? Or, like, was there a particular person that kind of you gravitated to in Ohio that yeah. pointed the way? Yeah, we had a thing called Synthesizer Night, and it was basically a night for, like, producers to come to just play their music. And... um I remember I saw this guy named Dan play saxophone and had his computer set up and his beats playing at the same time. And I was just like, oh, it clicked in my head that that's like something that I want to do. Right. So that like him with an instrument, but then also the beats and the production that he'd already kind of crafted ahead of time could be synthesized into something you could you could replicate, but with the violin. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So then when you moved to LA and you get in with the, the low end theory scene, like were there any particular artists who helped you kind of figure things out or did, was it just kind of being surrounded by these people that allowed you the space to kind of absorb? Um, I think it was being exposed to everyone, but I do feel like when Matthew David and I met, he was like a huge contributor to the beginning of like, what I'm doing now because he basically got me signed to Stone's Throw and he like we finished the record the first two EPs together because he like mixed them and added um, drum programming and he really like pushed me to keep doing everything I'm doing on my own though you know right now you released a pair of EPs before the the record was that just kind of a natural progression in terms of like a little bit of songs, a little bit of songs, a whole lot of songs, or was there like something larger to that in terms of like, like a trajectory? Like how, how thought out was that? To have like little songs and to long songs. Yeah. To go from like smaller bites, little, little, little works of art to then a, a larger album on Athena. Like, was that well thought out or just simply just the natural kind of like, Oh, I've got these songs. I should record this and this, put this out. Um, the first two EPs, I was I was planning on making that like my album, but then my, the label was suggesting it should be two EPs. So I feel like they're all like full body works to me, but it was just kind of like the plan of how they wanted to like first introduce it, you know? Sure. So you you view it as a larger body of work, but that that first strategically they put it out as a couple of intros or something. I'm wondering if you can talk yeah. about the like Athena then is kind of the first full length body of work. The songs on Athena, like did you write those all at the same time or had you pulled any like older songs to include? Like what was the, the idea behind that record? Athena? Yeah. Um, probably, I don't think, I don't think there was an idea behind it. I think I just was making a bunch of songs and then the idea just kind of like wove together and I don't really, like, start with a theme and, like, try to, like, 
make something after that. But I was thinking maybe for my next record, I'll try to do that to like maybe like creatively for fun, maybe conceptually to do something different, you know? But yeah. Yeah, do you set like challenges for yourself like that? Like, oh, I want to do X or Y because I haven't done it before. Yeah, I don't. It makes. It, I guess it makes things more fun. You've done some some collaborative efforts and stuff too. Like, is that because you're seeking out kind of people that you want to have fun with or get creative with and and expand kind of what you do? Is that like what's the impulse behind those kind of collaborative efforts? I've always been open to working with people. I just never really had access to people because I was like an introvert. But now it just seems like way easier to just like work with people for some reason now. And I feel like if anyone can, and now I'm just open to people just doing what they think that would sound good. And I usually just like during COVID, I just kind of like took everyone's ideas and picked what I thought. Like I kind of just like, what I thought sounded good and then just took it like took everyone's ideas and mixed it all together you know right so I mean as a introvert uh like COVID like was it you know you could email people or just hop on a zoom real quick you didn't have to like go out and like physically meet people to kind of collaborate anymore yeah like that made me feel really good I don't really like meeting people and and like going through that process um, if it's not natural, it just kind of is exhausting for my anxiety. And it just felt wait. And basically I just told my manager to like send me everyone's ideas, but don't send me their names and how they look or anything. And I just cut and I like, and that's how I chose the producers I wanted to work with. And that's how I chose the, the mixers and everything. Oh, so like, like a blind taste test kind of a thing. Yeah. That's how I approached the record. Yeah. So then they're sending you these these uh, works that you're you're judging from. Like, do you, do you have an idea of like what you're looking for, or is it just something when you hear it, you're like, oh, I know I could do something with this. I think it's like something like when I hear it, because I'm not like a music theory person. I'm not like, oh, I want these chords. Like the way I make music is like it's just something that I do, and I just feel it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like with the music that people contribute to, I'm I'm looking for the same kind of. Now, like, does what you're listening to factor in? Like, do you find that what you gravitate to as a listener spills into what you want to make as a creator? Um, kind of, which is why I don't really listen to music. Oh, so that it doesn't spill in. Yeah, I never really listened to music. Even even before I made music, like people always thought that was weird. Because I remember they would come in the car and they'd be like, "Not playing any music," and I'm like, "I don't know. What do you want?" Wonder if we can talk about the few singles that you've released from Natural Brown Prom Queen so far, including the title track. Uh, what what's like kind of your decision making factor when it comes to like which songs kind of get the rollout before the record itself? Like how do you, how do you decide this is what I want to be emblematic of the record. Um, I like talk to my like label and I kind of like see what they like and stuff. And I take everybody's 
consideration and try to show all my close friends too and then I just make the make judge make a judge off of that but ultimately like if you if you're kind of feeling something like you're just content to follow your own gut on that yeah but I like to like see what people think though I always like ask people like what do you think about this like which one would you put out mm. does any feedback surprise you have you ever gotten any kind of like oh this is the one you dig Yeah, I feel like I was surprised that a lot of people like this one track called Oh My God, Brit, a lot. What was it about the feedback that surprised you? Like, that, wh Why were you surprised that people gravitated to that? Um, I don't know, because my twin sister, she didn't like it at all. She thought that it should be taken off the record. And then I remember some people were like, this is the single. And then so... It was kind of interesting because I was getting like both. Right. And I was like getting both kind of, kind of like feed like negative and positive. Yeah, that's really divergent feedback for your sister to say it shouldn't even be on the record, and other people to say it's the single. I know. Um, Maybe. the tracks that you, you've released so far. Maybe you can just tell us a, a little bit about the title track and why you picked that as the title track. The title track. Um, at first I was going to call it homesick and then my manager pointed out that I was saying natural brown prom queen and then that had like a nice roll to the tongue to it mm -hmm. and that song topless. So I was like, maybe I should just call it that because, because it's like the theme of homesick and the story could be if I went to prom now, because I never went to prom, like what would that look like and sound like, you know? The not not going to prom, so was that like revisiting that in, in these lyrics is like a yeah. cathartic thing for you to like process or, or work through? Probably because I never went to prom, you know? Right. Um, the other other single that uh, we just got was uh, Selfish Soul. I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about uh, that, that song and, and what that song represents. Selfish Soul is like basically like an anthem of celebration of hair and it's inspired by the India Iree song I Am Not My Hair and uh, I remember I was up I was like feeling super like uh, like um, I was like having a like a one I wanted to stay up like till 7am like sometimes I do that when I'm like Created, and I remember I made like the lyrics to that song like in one night. Mm. It's just like coming out like so naturally. Now I read that you you hope that India re hears it. Ha has she heard it? Have you heard back now that it's been out for a little bit? That I have not heard anything from her. Right? Sure enough. Uh, <laughs> good. Um, before I let you go, Sudan, I want to get you to pick a track. I mean, one of the singles, if you want, or something off of Athena that we can play for listeners, whatever your choice. Um, and if you have a reason why you're picking that song, I'd love to hear that. Um, Milk Me, because I feel like it might not be one of the singles, but it's like really, I think it's a really good song. What makes it a good song for you? Like, how do you, what's the litmus test or the like measure for you? Because I feel like it makes me feel emotional. I guess any song that makes me feel emotional 
is a good song. And so one of the last songs I heard recently that made me feel like that was, do you know Bon Iver? Oh, yeah. Bon Iver, yeah. Um, I've never heard of his music, but I've heard a lot about him. And um, my friend Logan showed me his music today, but this new song that just came out, and it was like crazy vocals. It was like so good. Mm. And um, I feel like that's one of my favorite songs I've heard in a while. So when it connects to you emotionally, that's that's what takes you away. Yeah. I need to. I think I need to play though a song that is already released. Okay, let's pick one that's already released then. Okay, topless. So the title. I so yeah, it's the title track. It's like not NBBQ bracket topless. That's that's the, yeah. So we'll just call it topless. I wasn't sure how we were supposed to like introduce that song, but yeah, yeah that's we okay. Can call it just call one. it topless. Awesome. Uh, we'll give that one a listen. Um, in the interim, safe travels and really looking forward to seeing you at Folk Fest this weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. See you soon.
I'm Michael Elson. and you've been listening to a special podcast spotlighting Sudan Archives. We'll be performing on Saturday, July 9th at 8.20pm on the main stage at the Winnipeg Folk Festival. To hear more featured artists, visit umfm.com and be sure to visit winnipegfolkfestival.ca to get tickets to this great event running July 7th through 10th at Birds Hill Park. Mm-hmm.